0: This week on Invasion of the Podcast we continue our year of animation by staying in 1982 and looking at another dark family fantasy film The Last Unicorn. Is it the real deal or just a lame illusion with a horn stuck on it?
1: We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. <laughs>
0: And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where I try to take over the world one listener at a time. I I am here uh, in isolation. My name's Paul. And also, far, far away is Steve. In
3: the far-off land of Illyria. Hello, everyone.
0: Yeah, the land of of unicorns, or the last one that was out there in Illyria.
3: We ate it already.
0: (laughs) And it was some good eating. uh, So... (laughs) Yeah, um, uh, just we're we're being uh, we being solid citizens here uh, and staying more than six feet apart from us. I figure the further away we are, the healthier we're going to be, just in general. So you and I are pretty damn healthy then in regards to this conversation. I uh, think we should be
3: good. Yeah. Although when I texted you earlier today, I was just like, I don't want to be that asshole who's like, oh, I'm gonna give. I'm just gonna go out and you know go around because again, because I'm an American and I just I don't know. I I just felt like you know what, it's probably best to stay home. We're probably both not, uh, sick. We're both probably well, but you know, the, the shutdown in Ohio is in place for a reason.
0: So, I mean, we're just two grown men spending time talking about an animated unicorn film. We're perfectly healthy <laughs> people here. Uh, yeah, I, I, I went out today, so I've, this was like the second time I've been outside. Like, I mean, I've. Taking the trash out and stuff. It isn't like I like just like I've completely turned into a vampire where the sunlight burns my skin or something. But I did pop out today because it was the all important like safari hunt for goddamn toilet paper. Like it just it is frustrating that you just go to the local superstore, superstore, uh, supermarket. And you just like every other aisle is pretty good. Like you see a little bit of stuff. It's a little kind of spotty. And then you go down the paper products aisle and it's like, you expect to see a, a tumbleweed and like a person that's like covered in sores coming towards you. It's, it is just stupid.
3: <laughs> so did you find some, I that's did. My question.
0: Should yeah. I reveal my secret, my, my, uh, my pro tip here? Well, uh,
3: so I, I'll just say this real quick. Uh, Kathy is like freaking out. We have toilet paper, but she's worried that you know we won't have enough toilet paper. Uh, so her new hobby is going on eBay and finding people who are overpricing and selling items like toilet paper and reporting them.
0: Good, yeah, yeah. That's I mean that you need they need to be called out on this garbage because it isn't like. That's the thing. It isn't like there has been like it isn't like the toilet paper association of America is like guys, we've run out. It isn't like there's like that big announcement of this like, oh no, we were in the TP mines and we just there's a collapse. We lost seven men, four bears. There's no more <laughs> toilet paper coming. You know, like like we have paper, but not quilting. We don't know. We just can't do it. You know, no. Um. So I went to and this is this is like I I don't know how national this change chain is it's uh GFS Gordon food service. Um, and it's like, they sell bulk, right? It's like basically like, uh, it's an open, how do you like, it's like, I don't know. It's like Costco or Sam's, but smaller, but it's open. So you can just go buy big bulk things. And I'm explaining this to people that aren't Steve. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm going to go there and see, cause it's like, why not? Like if I'm going to buy, if I'm going to go find this, I might as well find it in bulk. And I found like a, a like a box of like, I don't know, Like, um, 12, 1000 sheet rolls for like 50 bucks. I'm like sold. And I just, I just went and bought it. I might've been getting raked. I don't care. It was all one box and I just bought it and I left and there was other boxes left. It wasn't like I had to stab somebody to get there. Like it was reasonable. It's granted. This is like that, you know, it's, if you're buying like mass quantities for like, you know, like a, a corporate event. So, you know, this stuff isn't like the best quality, but you know, um, any port in a storm, you know? So it's, I don't care. We have, well, it, we have more.
3: It's interesting you say that. Cause we are literally like, I could drive to a Gordon food service right now and it's like maybe four minutes away. Um, so I'm wondering if I should go check that out tomorrow.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think people think about it because it's like, they, they're mainly known for like, Oh, I want to buy a bucket of macaroni and cheese. I'll go to GFS, you know, whatever. Like. Um, like, I don't know, I, for only having a household of two, I do go there sometimes because one, it's like, I'm lazy and I'm like, Oh, I'll just buy a bunch of a thing. And two, like mm-hmm. there's less people shopping there because people don't think about it like a, like a, a grocery store. Cause it's a bulk store. So I, you know, I just thought I, this morning I woke up with that idea. Like the flux capacitor went off in my head. I'm like, great Scott, I'll go to the GFS.
3: And, <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I came back triumphant. So that was, that was good. So that was my one journey on, I mean, I wore gloves, like, and it's, it's weird because it's like, I'm, I'm wearing gloves one to make sure I don't, you know, you don't know what's out there. You don't know what's going on. But then you see everybody else that's like, I you know, I'm, I'm also doing this for you. And there's people just like, I'm like, do you just not get this? Like, I just, it blows my mind. Like, just Oh, there's seeing,
3: totally people who don't get it.
0: Yeah. Like, it's just whatever. You know, like, I'm not. You know, I'm not like germaphobic, but it's like, if this is like the way it's being done, then I need to, you know, let, let me be mindful. And there's a lot of not mindfulness out there. And I just, it was just frustrating to me.
3: So it, it's funny you say that. Cause I had to go into work. I've been working at home from home since, uh, Wednesday of last week, but I had to go in because it needed to update my laptop and they couldn't do it remotely. So I went in on Monday and. And like, I give him my laptop and they just like dove in and I'm like, you guys don't want to like sanitize your hands or, you know, maybe put on gloves before working on my computer or anything like that. Nope.
1: <laughs> and
3: I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just stand here six feet away while you work on my computer did, for a half did, hour. Did you see
0: the guy like open up and be like, I don't, man, where, what's the problem with this? And like, he just puts his finger in his mouth as he's thinking his way through it. <laughs> you know, he's like, I don't know. Like he's chewing his finger now and the touch on your computer.
3: I'm gonna guess that they they had probably have probably had to deal with so many problems. Our IT problems, or our IT company, or our IT company, our IT department is probably so overworked right now that it probably didn't even cross his mind. But like, I was just like, oh god, you know, <laughs> they had to move a ton of people to work from home who normally don't work from home. So I'm gonna guess it was probably not on his mind. But I was just like, do I say anything? I just stand here like an asshole. I don't
0: know. Like so. you should just, just like, just openly, like lightly coughed on the, the computer before <laughs> handing it over to him. Just see what he did. No, uh, that, don't do that. But I had to, I actually had to to go to my place of work on Sunday cause I realized that in my haste of taking everything with me, I forgot, um, like a whack of papers that I needed that had notes on them and I didn't want to reprint them out and put the note, like take the notes again. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll just drive and go. And. Where I work at, there's actually a Cleveland Clinic building nearby, like the same plaza, and it was everything was closed on Sunday, but they had a bunch of the tenting still set up from all the testing, and it's like it's surreal to drive by all this place and see all this stuff set up, like it 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 not that it feels with the same like type of post apocalyptic thing like The Walking Dead, but with it being like no one else around and being quiet, it's eerie. Yeah. So
3: I, uh, I went to my department and, uh, there was one person working there cause she doesn't have the ability to work from home, but it was like, literally like she was the only one there. She might've just been working from home at that point. Cause I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> like you're in this big empty room by yourself. So, yeah,
0: I well, mean, crazy. That, that means at least it's working, you know, intended to, to help those that can't. Right. So that's good. Um, but yeah, this has been, it's it's been odd. So I've been doing my best. It's almost as if like there's plenty of media uh, for me to be occupied with. Uh, the thing I've been doing the past couple of days and just because I need to because of my own health related things that I realized is sitting around all day and watching movies and playing video games and working and not moving was kind of screwing me up. So now I'm forcing myself to get in 10,000 steps a day, which that sounds like, oh, that's good. That's what average people do. And it's like, and you're right if they're going someplace like to shoot for 10,000 steps, you've been to my, my house, you've seen how tiny it is where I live currently. Imagine getting 10,000 steps in this place because it's still a little too cold out to go outside for, for me to be out for like an hour and a half just walking around. Um, yeah, I look like a madman just pacing in my house, trying to get steps in. So Uh, if, if
3: my memory serves correctly, the last time I wore one of those, uh, I had a Fitbit for a while, and, uh, uh, if I, I remember, I probably got a thousand steps every 10 minutes when I would try and like actively walk in the way it recorded me. Yeah. So like you're talking about an hour and 40 minutes to get to 10,000 steps, just trying to like exercise.
0: Yep. Pretty much, you know, with, yeah. without
3: anything in your normal day. And I can say, uh, I had been doing keto, uh, the last like two months, and uh, I've kind of being home has just been terrible because like I'm hungry all the time. <laughs> um, I'm just like I went to the store Friday to get like the last of like whatever we needed to like really be hunkered down. And uh,
0: by that you mean like, you mean um like the um the chocolate eggs from the Easter displays. You're like I got to get all the Reese's cup eggs. That's what we need to hunker down.
3: So, you, you're not you're not far off because that is what Kathy asked me to get her. I bought myself Cadbury listen, eggs.
0: Listen, I heard there's protein eggs. You people need them
3: <laughs> I bought like I bought uh like barbecue potato chips and like cheese whiz and just crap. <laughs> just nothing but
0: crap. Oh, you're treating this quarantine like it's like a sleepover like you know at your buddy's house. You're like, you know, it'll just be one night, we'll stay up watching monster movies, it'll be fine. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's it's funny you should say that. And like, I don't give any credence to like Buzzfeed quizzes, but I took one that was like, uh, you know, Oh, pick what you'll put on a pizza and we'll tell you how old you are. I got 14 years old, <laughs> 14 year old. I'm like, that means that I probably eat like a 14 year old. That's probably not that far off.
0: Yeah. And here I am trying to, like, I mean, not that I'm saying I'm not eating badly because there's time, you know, whatever you sneak things in. But like, I mean, like I talked about this on the show before. Like I, I'm i type two diabetic now because of eating like a 14 year old for 40 years. Um, and it's been this like, you talk about being hungry all the time at home. Like think about me trying to stay because I kind of have to view my my like the times I eat and when I eat is more like these islands because you don't because the way my metabolism is, you don't want to screw with it. Like not metabolism, but blood sugar. Mm-hmm. So like. I'm like I'm like six feet away from the fridge. It's it's been like I'm like, oh you know, I could eat right now. I'm like, do I really need to? Like it's been this whole thing of like you get bored and you just want to eat. Like I Mm -hmm. saw I saw a tweet that says, um, what was it uh day four of the quarantine? I took a nap to keep myself from eating. Like (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's it's been a challenge. And like so trying to fit activity, and you're right. It's about an hour forty minutes. Funny that you say that, uh, because today, um, I put it like cuz the first was the first day I was just like trying to I don't know whatever just do it see if I could get it done. And then I did. And the second day I put on uh Hulu and we just had Rick and Morty playing on my TV in my living room as I paced around cuz I know the episodes I can catch it while walking around. It's not it's not the big deal. Uh, today I put in a movie and just kind of kept it on and I I didn't look at my my Fitbit the entire time cuz I'm like if I can get to the end of this and my foot my my thing hasn't buzzed yet I know it's been an hour and a half, you know, and so thankfully it it started buzzing about 10 minutes before the movie's over, so I was happy about that, Um, but yeah, I look like an idiot just walking around, pacing, 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 (laughs) Um, but I, you know, it's just like, I need to do it, you know, and today I watched uh, Tenacious D's The Pick of Destiny, I don't know if you've seen that or not, but. It's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah. I've seen that movie so many times that I don't need to watch it. You know, like I could just like listen as I'm walking around. I'd look at the screen and like, oh, there's Sasquatch. And I'd move on. So I was, I was happy about that. Now I just got to find more walking movies to have on while I'm trying to get my, uh, my steps in. So that's me. That's the diary of a madman right now.
3: When you say walking movies, you mean walking, not walking.
0: Yeah. I need more Christopher (laughs) walking, walking movies. Yeah, I'll watch all his. Um, oh, what was his Archangel films that he was in?
3: The prophecy. The prophecy.
0: I'll watch all those. Sure. Right. No. No.
3: I, I do want to revisit those. I, I saw the first one in the theater, and I think I've seen the second one, but there are like six of them or something crazy. Yeah. So.
0: And he's associated with most of them, I think.
3: I think so. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's like those, the, the the weird like franchise where it's like well, okay we're in that's that's fine, <laughs> um yeah so. I, I, I before we start recording, and before I realized we were getting down this weird road, but hey, we're we're stuck inside, like we're no, we're we're isolated from people. You know, this is what happens. I have to blame you for part of my weekend just getting blown up because <laughs> you recommended uh, Tiger King, the Netflix documentary, and you're like Binge it. I'm like sure, and I'm like because I I knew of the main the main guy Joe Exotic from that last week tonight clip from a couple years ago.
3: And I was like, I was
0: like, I know this guy. And then my God, that is a weird, it's just, it's a weird seven hours or six and a half hours. But yeah, I binged it. Uh, Time and space disappeared, or or I should say, like I just lost track of everything and watched it all. And my gosh, like, I don't know if people are taking the right things from it by watching social media about it. Okay. Meaning Uh, I uh, will say
3: that like watching it, it just kept getting weirder and weirder. (laughs) So like Saturday morning, Kathy was like, what do you want to watch? I'm like, you know what? I don't want to watch anything too serious right now. I'm like, I'm just not in the mood for it. (laughs) I'm like, let's go to Netflix. And we were going to throw on parks and rec. But as I'm like going through like the recent releases or whatever, she's like, what's tiger King? I'm like, I don't know. Let me see. So I click on it. I'm like, Oh my God, this is the guy from, from John Oliver. I'm like, there's a documentary on him sweet, I didn't realize at the time that it was like a seven-part documentary. And we just simply fell right into it. And I think I was probably four episodes in when I put that post up of like, go binge it now. (laughs) Because it just, it gets weirder and weirder. And you're just like, I can't believe this story. I'm like, I thought we'd be at this point by now, but no, you're still like three episodes away from like the major (laughs) point. And I'm like, whoa. And it's just, I can't say, like, it's weird to say that it's enjoyable, but it's oddly enjoyable much more. So, like, there was, like, a um, a distance I felt from watching McMillions where I was, like, not as involved. It was still an interesting story, but I never, like, really got involved with it. This, I was in, like, ten minutes in. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs>
0: Uh, I want. I still want that FBI guy that was from McMillions to now. I want him to provide commentary for Tiger King. I want them to do like a like a VH1 best week ever where they just cut back to him saying stuff about that. Would be amazing to me. That'd be the greatest. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't want to spoil anything for the documentary. If you guys have time, we all do. Uh, check it out it's on Netflix. It is an incredibly easy watch because it just kind of. Starts steamrolling. And as Steve said, you, you're like, okay, well we're done. Oh no. Like it goes in places that you, you were not expecting. I mean, I don't know what you'd be expecting. Like, trust me, anything you, you think, you know, you don't know. <laughs> My only frustration now is like, people are kind of idolizing Joe exotic and kind of putting up pictures of him. And it's like, this guy had a lot of problems. He still does. He's not a, he's not a great person. He's sympathetic at times, but also, not like he's really complicated and I like I was, you know, it would be easy to like change his change my profile picture on Facebook to his face because it's ridiculous. But that yeah. would be like glorifying something that I don't agree with, even though his story is really compelling. Um Like the only time I laughed during the whole documentary, like like legitimately laughed as opposed to like the whole like when you're like it's like an awkward like wince of like, oh, God, this is happening. It's just there was a brief video of people putting balloons into a tiger pen and seeing all the Bengal tigers chase after the balloons. That was the only thing that was pure, like, joy to me watching that was seeing tigers chase balloons. And that was one little part of a segment in one episode.
3: Yeah, I just, I, I it, it was sort of like a car accident. Like, you just couldn't look away. You're like. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The whole time I was watching, I'm like, I can't believe this is just we're nowhere near where I thought we were supposed to be by the beginning of this like documentary. And we got like another three episodes to go. I can't believe that we're not even there yet. Cause yeah. the story just keeps getting crazier and crazier. And then and there's, like,
0: yeah. There's like the, the lady, uh, I forget her name, but like, um, Carol. And then, um, and then the other guy that doc with the self, the self given name of doc, because you know, he has a uh, doctorate in metaphysics, just like Dr. Strange.
3: Um, oh man.
0: He, ugh, you know, yeah,
3: I mean, no. and then you find out like the you know the conditions that they're working in, the whole uh, monogamy or p- polygamy thing. Yeah. Uh, it just kept getting crazier and crazier. And then you find out what happens to all the like bad meat from Walmart. And,
0: <laughs> yeah, um, just just make make a, an actual film. Get David Spade to play Joe Exotic. You know that's going to happen. Get um, oh Jim Gaffigan to play Doc Antle. Uh, get, um, oh, I'm sure we could find somebody that would be great for, for Carol. Like make that movie. Uh,
3: You get like Kristen Wiig.
0: Yeah. Right. Some, yeah. Like that would be, that's the movie I need to see, you know, like it would be get Judd Apatow on that. Like, or whoever, no, was it Judd Apatow? The one he's been doing like the bigger, more like satire, um, the political movies. Like, uh, the big short, it's one of those guys, right? Get, get oh, them. It's not Apatow. It's, it's um, the other one, right? Oh Shit.
3: God. Why well, can't I give his name?
0: Oh, um, it's the guy directed just, Anchorman, right? Was that Apatow? No, that
3: was Apatow produced. Um, uh, his name is on the tip of my tongue. I'll too. find it.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Just, the way I said that destroyed, uh, any, any idea that we're ever going to possibly, uh, get that right. Let's see here. Adam McKay. Yeah, he directed Adam McKay. Man. Yeah, so get him to direct it. There you go. Like, just, ugh, you know. And, but after watching all this, though, I got to tell people, they're like, oh, this is so crazy. And I want to be like, well, if you think that's crazy, there's a little film called Roar that would say, hold my beer, because the story behind that is almost as ridiculous. And But a lot of the footage is almost worse than what you saw in um, Tiger King, even though that was more reality. I don't know, man. Both are... Both are bookends and not good ones. Yeah. The, the next
3: time I'm, you know, available to leave the house and we can record together. Um, I need to borrow roar cause Kathy is like now interested in watching roar.
0: <laughs> Consider it done. I, I will never keep people away from that movie, but yeah, that was, <laughs> that was part of my weekend. Uh, I was losing that. So yeah, I was losing time to that. It was fascinating. I just, I feel like Netflix are like, you know what? We're going to lose all our Disney stuff. Where's all the weird crime stuff? We're going to get the market corner on that.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else I did over the weekend. I did watch a a couple movies. Um, the first one was a movie that was released to Apple, uh, Apple TV called the banker, um, starring the Falcon and, uh, Nick Fury. (laughs)
0: I don't know if you've uh, seen the trailers. I've seen the trailer. It looks interesting.
3: Okay. Yeah, it's a a really good movie. Um, It's also a true story and unfortunately doesn't have a great ending to it as most true stories do. Um, But I would highly recommend it because they're both great in it. Um, And oddly enough, Beast is in it. It's uh, the kid who plays Beast in the newer X-Men movies. Oh, Nicholas Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, So, yeah, I, I highly recommend that. And then the other movie that we watched... In our quest to try and, like, stay light this weekend as far as, you know, our viewing habits, um, I noticed that uh, El Goro was doing the airplane movies on uh, on his show. And I hadn't seen the second one in probably 10, 15 years at the very least, mm-hmm. maybe more. And it was on Amazon Prime. So I, I watched that. And Kathy's like, oh, did you ever see The Big Bus? I'm like, what the hell is The Big
0: Bus? Yeah, what is The Big Bus?
3: So The Big Bus is a movie that, again, I almost would have thought it would have been perfect for the year of the knockoff, but it's an Iron Eagle in the sense that it came out before Airplane. Oh, it's no. It's a disaster movie on a bus. Okay. And it's like this big, giant bus that's like got a rocket on it and is supposed to be like the luxury liner bus or whatever, the bus of the future. And it's very similar to airplane in a lot of ways, but it's not nearly as funny as the the first airplane. <laughs> Probably it why I've
0: not heard of it until right this minute. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It doesn't deliver on its, uh, on its premise. And thankfully I, I, cause my wife wanted it. I was like, well, it's $10 on voodoo. Why don't we just buy it? She's like, yeah, let's buy it. Now I own it. So <laughs> you have access to it. I'm at it. Isn't
0: it, like I feel like voodoo's now starting to become like your like uh corner of shame where you're like, I own it. It's it's over yeah. there. Like <laughs> just like parts well, of my then, Amazon. It's like, oh, there's sh- there's shocking dark. I own it. It's over there, you know? Like It's
3: funny because like digitally, for some reason, they seem to be the lowest price on a lot of movies. So uh my wife was looking, she wanted to watch Petticoke Junction, which is is
0: Petticoke Junction
3: uh, it, it's a movie about a, a sub and it's from the sixties. Um, it became a TV story,
0: series too, I think. Yeah.
3: Long story short. Um, uh, she looked it up. She's like, Oh, it's only $10 in voodoo. She's like, Oh, I don't want to ruin your voodoo. I'm like, I've already got the <laughs> big bus and wizards in there. I'm like, it's yeah, fine.
0: You the big bus and wizards. Oh man. Wow. That sounds amazing. Uh, well, I mean, That sounds interesting. Maybe not amazing is not the right word. Um,
3: I mean, that's the argument you can make against digital media uh, is that, like, when you buy a movie physically, if you don't like it, you can always go to the exchange. Maybe you're only going to get a dollar for it, but at least it's out of your collection and you got a dollar back. Yeah. Digital, you can't do
0: that.
3: No. (laughs) No, you're right. It just sits there for the rest of time.
0: (laughs) All right. So... Yeah, it sounds like we had some uh, very fulfilling weekends. Um, so let's just uh, get on to our discussion here. our year animation, it is, oh, I'm sorry. Before we start recording, I mentioned an important thing that I think we want to touch upon before I start talking about the last unicorn. And I mentioned this to you. I, the news that happened today. Sorry, I didn't. Like I, I almost jumped over this. That have been. I would have been mad at myself later for forgetting about this. Uh, Stuart Gordon passed away. We found out today, um, and that's a bummer.
3: Yeah, I I was kind of sad about that. I mean, I am sad about that. Um, I was shocked by it, and I hate to say it, but my first thought was, was it, you know, coronavirus? Like, that was the first thing I thought of. Um, But he was 72, he passed away. Um, From what I could tell, it was not coronavirus-related. But why he's important to me is, he's part of my early foundation in horror. Um, We covered it back. And I think the 2018 uh, October series where we covered all the like horror movies that were sort of the ones that I grew up with. Yeah. It has one of the VHS uh,
0: like membership covers on the, the the art for the episode, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And what's interesting is, is that uh, people often associate him the most with reanimator. And I didn't see reanimator until way after from beyond. So I always think of from beyond first, they're both, hp lovecraft adaptations um but my brother had rented it from a video store and for whatever reason just never returned it so it was just around the house so it was like a go-to of like you know i've got this one horror movie that you know is actually not taped off a tv or whatever um throw it in but uh he did uh you know a lot of work he actually also wrote the honey, I shrunk the kids movies.
0: Yeah. He was a co-creator um, of that. Yeah.
3: So that, that's uh sort of, I think the like thing that probably mainstream audiences know him for, you know, horror fans will know more from, uh, from beyond reanimator. Um, he's also done some action films. There was robot jocks, which we watched during, uh, one of your stud or not said I'm sorry. Um, the, uh, uh, super bro.
0: super bro
3: yeah, and, uh, a movie called fortress, which I haven't seen in forever. And I, I want to revisit this weekend That's with
0: Christopher Lambert. That's a, like a futuristic prison movie, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah I saw I, I've that seen that in
3: a theater and I can't remember the last time I saw it, but it's, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, people love castle freak, which is a movie of his that I hadn't seen until recently. Um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, He also uh, wrote the Dentist, which is with Corbin Burson. I've not seen the Dentist movies. I that's one of the gaps in my like horror knowledge. Is like the Doctor Giggles movies and the Dentist movies. I've not seen either of those series, so maybe I'll get into those at some point. Um, But uh, he also did a movie called Space Truckers that I've not seen that I, I now want to discover. Uh, but sad to see him go. Um, as with all the people that, you know, we grew up with who were major in horror, Toby Hooper, Wes Craven, um, you know, Stuart Gordon is one of those names and it's unfortunate to see him go.
0: Yeah. So. I just, I it would be for, you know, since we covered his stuff, you know, like I said about a year and a half ago, um, and it's just, you know, foundational horror stuff. So it would be, it would be, go if you again you guys have time check out check out one of his movies and just remember like i had not seen reanimator until i was an adult like i'm talking like maybe three years ago and Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things i don't know why i didn't get to it until then um but yeah it's it's a lot of fun uh the second one's great too and um yeah i just i don't know like he's one of those guys that you probably don't realize that things that you love have been heavily influenced by him so take take some time aside and, and watch one of these movies. If you if you have the stomach for it, it gets a little goopy, but I think that's part of the fun.
3: Yeah, I mean, Reanimator is easily a classic uh, from beyond a classic. I, I I can't say that you go wrong with either either of those. Um, I know Castle Freak is one that has gotten a lot of love recently on Shudder. And actually, um, I don't remember if we talked about this last week or not. I think we did. Um, you know, there are a lot of services now that are offering a free month of service. Uh, Shudder is offering, I think, a free month right now. And I think uh, there's at least three or four of Stuart Gordon's movies on there for you to check
0: out. Perfect. and yeah, Along with uh, the Creepshow series. So if you guys need another reason to, to go to Shudder, check that out too. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, now. Now we're going to get into our talk about the last unicorn. So before uh, it, so to change things up, Steve, I figured we'd play the trailer first before we have a 20-minute conversation and then forget about the trailer. Um <laughs> I figured that's what, what? we do. Uh, no, we we have we now have a 30-minute conversation before we get to talk about the last unicorn, but that's different, you know? So I figure play this, play the trailer and then we'll talk more about it. Um, so yeah, guys, uh, tuck in. It's uh, about, it's about two minutes and whatever long. And you're going to hear, you're going to hear a song that's going to be played a lot, um, through, through the movie.
2: She is a creature of legend. In an age of sorcery, and savagery. Well, what have we yeah. here? <laughs> demons. No! And dragons. She may be the last unicorn.
1: All I want to know is if you've seen other unicorns like me somewhere in the world.
2: You can find the others if you are brave. They passed down all the roads long ago and the Red Bull ran close behind them and covered their
1: footprints. Oh, I could never leave this forest. But I must know if I am the only unicorn left in the world.
2: The classic tale is now a classic animated adventure. Featuring the voices of Mia Farrow.
1: The the spell was wrong, but there was true magic in it.
2: Alan Arkin. My dear, you deserve the services of a great wizard, but I'm afraid you'll have to be glad of the aid of a second-rate pickpocket. Jeff Bridges.
0: That is exactly what heroes are for.
2: It's you or me, Moth. Hand to hand to hand to hand. Robert Klein. Christopher Lee. I am King Haggard. And the music of America.
1: It's the last
2: unicorn. Journey into the unknown.
1: What's that? Oh, go
2: on. A mystery full of wonders and a fantasy beyond imagining. Not that one. Hmm? I want to know who she is. Schmendrik the Light.
1: You will look at see her, how she
2: sparkles. The last unicorn, the, last the legend unicorn. will
0: live forever. So, yeah, 1982's The Last Unicorn, uh, was Steve's favorite song of all time being played there. Um, all right, so, uh, yeah, we'll just like go over the cast real quick here. Uh, Alan Arkin as a uh, Schmindrick, which just I like knowing it was Alan Arkin the entire time. Like oh, that's Alan Arkin, but didn't he sound like like a shade or two away from Bill Murray the entire time of the film? Like I could almost a little bit like that, or like um oh, uh there was um oh what was the name of the guy that did like the uh, there's the the radio commercial with like I love fishes because they're so no that's not the right thing. There was a two scoops yum yum commercial that was an ice cream commercial. Do you know what I'm talking about or no?
3: I think so uh, are you thinking I, of um lorenzo music maybe here?
0: it sounds it sounded a lot like him too you know so uh anyway hey, alan arkin uh, sounding very much like alan arkin and i actually really liked his performance in this because if you're remaking this movie now you wouldn't cast alan arkin as the the, the vocal lead unfortunately and i thought that was awesome uh jeff bridges uh as prince lear mia farrow as uh the unicorn and al almathea whatever um we have Tammy Grimes as Molly, Robert Klein as the butterfly that I'm glad he's gone in that movie early. Um, <laughs> uh, Angela Lansbury as Mama Fortuna, uh, <laughs> mother of Bib Fortuna, uh, Christopher Lee as King Haggard, Keenan Wynn, by the way, Captain Collie. Keenan Wynn, we've, we've talked about him previously on uh, this show. He popped up briefly in Orca as the old man that got killed by the whale early in that film.
3: The um, only movie where you should be like really rooting for the orca. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he was also the voice of the harpy, I guess, uh, for as little as that thing talked. Uh, we had uh, Paul Fries as uh, the tree and the cat, the pirate cat that talked for a second. Um, uh, Rene Aubergenau as the skull, which I loved him for the three minutes he's in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah.
3: I, I just want to say this real quick yeah. before we get into the movie. Uh, his scene is a joy of the movie. I, I really loved his performance. Yeah. It's
0: just, if you could bottle that up and do something with like that, the rest of the movie,
3: mm-hmm. you
0: got something there. Right. Um And then we got uh, Don Messick is also listed as the cat. So I don't know why that the cat's listed twice, but Don Messick, um, uh, he, you would better know him as Papa Smurf. Um And then we had Ed Peck. Uh, he was in there somewhere too. So, Yeah. Um, that's, that's your cast. Uh, it says this is directed by, um, where did I shoot? It was directed by, uh, Joel Bass and Arthur Rankin. That's kind of true. Kind of not true. Uh, based upon a book, uh, same name, uh, screenplay written by Peter S. Beagle. So yeah, that's your cast. Uh, that's your directors and all that. So yes, uh, you had never seen the last unicorn. Is that correct?
3: That is correct. And my question to you, then, I believe is the same question I asked you when we started The the Secret of Nim, is have you read the book?
0: No, I've not read the book. Um, I didn't realize it was a book until watching this movie again and seeing that it was based upon a book. So, no, (laughs) I did did not. Yeah, my
3: research led me to find out that it was quite a beloved book, uh, particularly by a lot of the people who are in the film as well.
0: Yeah, evidently Christopher Lee revered, not revered, but he wanted to pay it, yeah, you know, proper due with his performance as Hagrid, um, or Haggard, or M- Haggard, whatever. Um, so no, I had not read the book. Uh, I, much like *Secret and Nim, I had flashes of this film in my head. I remember the the Red Bull. I remembered um, you know Schmedrick saying "Magic, do as you will," and then when the tree scene started, I was like, "I remember that." And I also remember the fake unicorn horn. That was all I remember about the movie.
3: So, yeah, I had not seen it before. And it leads me to believe that, like, maybe they showed it in school and I saw that it was about a unicorn. So I just probably started drawing, like, you know, He-Man in my uh, my journal or whatever, my uh, sketchbook or, <laughs> or whatever. I, I have a feeling like I've heard of it i didn't watch it at least not that i remember after watching it i have no memory of it um and it feels like something that should have been at least within my range because the year it was released 82 i would have been um eight years old but it's really surprising surprising to me that like I have never seen it before. And if I have, I have no memory of it. So
0: yeah, that's um, again. I mean, I would, you know, I would have been four at the time, but I'm sure I saw me. I, I, I mean, I've seen this, you know, I just, and the fact that I remembered it, like the imagery was so vivid in my mind. Uh, but I also kept getting this confused because the animation style looked very similar to um, the Hobbit TV, um, like, there was a TV movie of The Hobbit. But again, that was produced by rank uh, Rankin Bass. So it doesn't surprise me that there were similar art styles and some of that. Um, so I was getting that twisted in my head. But I but we own this movie. My wife loves this movie, and so when I told her we're gonna watch it for the show, she got excited, and so we watched it. Um and I figured, you know, since we already covered Secret and M the E2, um, and you've not seen this before, and I know you and I are both we kind of fell in love again with the Secret and M. Like, why not see what else was kind of out there? Like, what was not not necessarily competing, but what was the what was the mind share of like storytelling for kids at that time?
3: It's very interesting to me that uh, you know this and you know Secret of M were from the same year. Like, it's 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 odd that you would have two fantasy movies based on books come out in the same year with you know two. And I don't want to say big uh, production companies because, you know, Don Bluth was breaking away from Disney and trying to do his own thing. But Rankin and Bass had been around for a while at this point. So it was quite surprising to me that, you know, the same year I, I again, it's maybe not a fair comparison to be like, oh, you know, it's like the two volcano movies that came out in the 90s. or <laughs> You know, um uh, wasn't there two Armageddon type movies? A uh, Deep Rising, maybe. <laughs> deep and... Rising. <laughs> I, I don't remember, but it, was, it just I did,
0: Deep Rising. <laughs> I, it, no, it was Deep Impact on Armageddon. Deep but I like the idea. Sorry. Like it was Deep Rising. Is that like a killer, a killer underwater volcano movie or something? Like watch out for the deep. Like, there probably is a Deep Rising. I, like you keep going. I'm gonna find that movie. Right.
3: <laughs> but I I found it interesting that there's two movies based on fantasy novels that come out the same year. And uh, oddly enough, neither of them had I seen. Um, and I think it's it's very odd. I, I can honestly say that I know that probably the reason that, that kept me away from seeing it is that I was an eight-year-old boy and it had the name Unicorn in it. And I was just not interested. That was just not my cup of tea. I'm sure that... And again, I don't think... I don't think that My Little Pony had been a thing yet, but like when I saw the animation, that was the first thing that I thought of. That was what popped in my head. The second thing that popped into my head was the Dungeons & Dragons animated series. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good call.
3: And uh, I remember watching that like on Saturday mornings, and I don't know if Rankin-Bass was involved in that, but it, it had a very similar like visual style, um, um, yeah. and that's where my brain immediately went to. So maybe had I known that, maybe I would have been a little bit more interested in it as a kid. But I, I know that, like, who? I know that at eight years old, anything with unicorns in it was just not my cup of tea. Unless it was legend, but I didn't think that come up came out until like eighty-five. So.
0: So, okay, uh, I'm looking up the Dungeons & Dragons thing now that you said that. I'm just trying to see who actually produced it, and I can't find that information off the top of my head or off the top of the internet. However, there is a film called Deep Rising. I'm just going to mention this real quick. 1998 action horror uh, directed by Stephen Somers. Uh, a newly unveiled ocean liner, the Argnautica sets out on its first cruise, or unveiled, not like unrevealed, whatever, only to encounter dangers both on board and in the ocean depths, while the beautiful thief Trillion Famke Jansen attempts to steal riches from the boat's wealthy passengers. The ship encounters major problems, most notably a giant murderous sea creatures with tentacles. That would be a problem. <laughs> Eventually a boat captain by John Finnegan treat Williams comes across the Argonautica and everyone struggles to survive the monster, um, had a budget of 45 million and made 11.2 million at the box office.
3: <laughs> so it's got that Steven Summers
0: touch. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just, Somehow. just, just like, I like the fact that it's like, Hey, what's your name? Famke Jansen. It's like, Oh, well that's a unique name. What do we call you trillion? Like just whatever. Anyway,
3: Steven Summers is one of those guys where I'm always like amazed at things that they give him to, to work on. Like he did that, uh, Hugh Jackman, um,
0: Van Helsing, yeah, Van
3: Helsing movie. He did, uh, that first GI Joe and it's like, I'm like, wow, you guys just keep giving him properties and he just keeps ruining them. Well, so that's
0: funny that 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 movie came out a year before The Mummy. And he, like, and The Mummy's actually, I thought The Mummy's pretty fun, but that's neither here nor there.
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, hmm. uh, again, maybe I'm unfairly shitting on Steven Summers during our last unicorn talk <laughs> for some reason, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I
0: just wanted, because, like, I was like, that name sounds familiar with Deep Rising. So, yes. Um, so when you talk about the animation style, so Rankin Bass actually um they they actually farmed out a lot of their um they outsourced a lot of their animation to some Japanese animation companies. And this was actually done by a company called Topcraft. Um so they actually ended up doing so the thing about Topcraft is that the studio went bankrupt shortly after making this film, right? Um but so they uh when, when the studio went bankrupt, they split the they split the studio in half. Hayao Miyazaki, uh, Toshio Suzuki, and I- Isao Takahara bought the studio while laying off most of the animation staff and changing its name to Studio Ghibli, which that is the foundation for the Miyazaki films we were talking about, like possibly doing for the year of animation. Um, so... Uh, Topcraft's animators, like they left and formed another studio called Pacific Animation Corporation to continue working with Rankin Bass on shows like Thundercats and Silverhawks, but then rejoined Ghibli once that studio was bought out by the Walt Disney company. So like, it's this weird circle that one of the last films that Topcraft made was the last unicorn with a lot of Japanese design work in it. And then when that kind of collapsed, parts of that became studio Ghibli
3: that's interesting to me um i i pulled up dungeons and dragons while we were talking i don't see them anywhere near it so i think it's just a style choice um but uh yeah studio ghibli is one of those things that i've heard a lot of people praise and we've talked about it briefly but i have no no point of reference for them so Hopefully once we, you know, dig into, uh, some of the Miyazaki stuff, uh, become a little bit more familiar with it.
0: Yeah. I just thought that, like for as much as we've kind of like, kicked the tires on doing one of those films that we, I inadvertently picked one that kind of backed our way into it because it was one of the last ones made by the, the bits of a studio that would go on to become that. And I like, and credit to my wife, she will, she's listening to the other room. Cause she texted me about who the voice of Garfield was. um, she was right about this film being like, like Japanese influenced and Japanese animated. And it's, it's interesting to me. See, like seeing like a Western fantasy tale done like this, like, cause you would think after seeing like secret and them with Don Bluth, where that felt like that was just Disney, just darker. This feels like a whole different animal. And it was definitely different looking. Um, Also, Um, like the backgrounds look good, but some of the animation itself I wonder about, but the character design was pretty solid.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think I came out almost in a reverse, uh, point of view from you. I thought the character designs were interesting. I thought the compared to the secret of Nim, and it's unfortunate that this is following the secret of Nim. I may have had a higher opinion of its animation had it come directly after wizards, but Secret of Nim is just so beautifully done. There's not a wasted background. Everything's gorgeous. Um, some of the backgrounds in this just felt like I don't know. I I, I don't want to use the term cheap because that's oh, unfair. No, no. But you're... they're not nearly as is lovely designed or well designed as the Secret of Nim, and they don't seem to have the care that was put into that.
0: No, you you misunderstand. Like I I agree with you completely. So, but there's like that sequence and uh, if people if you've not seen the last unicorn it's it's a, actually if you have it's available on HBO right now the actual original cut of the film with like the the slight nudity and the swear words which again wasn't expecting that in the film um, it's
3: HBO yeah, yeah. And, well it's
0: like we it's like nudity. game of thrones you got to show half a lady butt i'm sorry half of a unicorn that's not a lady butt and then you have to <laughs> then you have to hear the word damn twice oh no you know um so uh You've, you've, you you know, so you guys go watch that there. Uh, so, it, what I'm saying about the backgrounds, there's a sequence where um, the unicorn, uh, voiced by Mia Farrow, when she eventually originally leaves her little area, and there's that like time lapse of her like crossing the different er- like areas, and so it's the second song you hear from the band America, which we didn't even get into the music until we'll get to that later. It's like walking through the seasons. Like those backgrounds look good. I thought those looked pretty good, but they but they looked pretty stock. And not stock in the sense of like they pulled them from other things. It was like it, they're a good painted background. They're nothing like the you know, secret of them, you know, blew the doors off of this in a lot of ways. But I, I kind of like that in the mixture with the music and like, like it, it worked for me. Um, I'm not saying every background was amazing, but there was some care sometimes. And then I don't know if it was just a rush production schedule or a lack of funds. Um, they're what I was talking about the animation is that the design's interesting, but especially in the beginning, whenever the horse is talking to the butterfly, sorry, not horse unicorn, cause she'd be mad if you called her a horse, um, how they did this, this like cycle repeatedly of her like moving and it got really annoying. It's like, I get it. You know, you're just you getting through the scene, but you're showing the same, like, you know um motion sequence over and over again. And it happened a lot through the movie. Uh, especially with Schmidrick, at one point when he summoned his magic around like the the um the marauders or whatever they were, like they're like the thieves, like the not Robin Hood people. And he falls to his knees and they face. They use that exact same animation later when he's exhausted from casting a spell. So like you could you could see that they were they were using what was already there because to to do use resources to make something different was not in the books for this film.
3: Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that, that uh, really like caught me off guard was uh, when it comes to the backgrounds, at least, you know, the secret of Nim* had these very lush uh, saturated backgrounds, very um, colorful, um, really, you know, accelerated the animation or accelerated, uh, what's the one I'm looking for here. Um, I'm sorry.
0: Accented accentuated, right? Is that what you're looking for? Yes.
3: Accentuated. Thank you. Um, and it's not like they're terrible backgrounds. Um, but like trees were very like simplistic. Um, the color palette was fairly mute compared to, or muted, compared to, you know, secret of Nim. Um, I kind of hoped for a little bit more vibrancy, I guess, in some of the colors and maybe a little bit more, um, detail in some of like the trees and things like that, because I do think the character designs are actually quite well done. Um, Schmendrick, he looks like that character. Like when we watched wizards, I remember being disappointed with the main wizards (laughs) depiction, yeah. And I get that it was supposed to be like, oh, it's the, you know, keep on trucking, you know, <laughs> yeah. hippie wizard. Like, I get it. Um, but, like, Schmendrick felt like when you saw that character, you're like, oh, that's perfect. Um, the design that I loved the most, actually, was King Haggard. Uh, I thought that that was such a gorgeous design. So there's a lot of great design work going in in the film. The unicorn, I don't know how how much you can really put into it where you're like it's a horse with a, you know, a stick on its head kind of thing. Like you can't really
0: <laughs> It's a horse you, with a stick on its head.
3: Yeah. yeah. You can't really, you know, noodle that probably too much as far as like how it's going to look in animation. They may have been able to uh, and again, this is goes back to The Secret of Nim, where they were like, oh, one of these characters has, you know, a palette of 26 colors. Whereas, you know, with this, I felt like there was maybe four or five. So maybe yeah. they could have plused it that way. But again, it's unfair to hold it up against Secret of Nim because it's just a gorgeous movie. Uh, but all the character designs were really great. Uh, the Harpy, actually, which, again, we'll just get this out of the way now, like had female breasts.
1: Like six of them.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was kind of shocked by that, but at the same time, I'm like, wow, that's a really cool design. Like it, it really looks, um, it, it felt elevated above some of the, the things that we were seeing in the movie. I'm like, wow, this is kind of going in a weird place. I I'm liking this. I hope it keeps going this way. And the red bull, I mean, granted, uh, I mean, I believe, you know, for those of us who have been around for the last 20 years, you hear Red Bull, and the first thing you think of is, is it's going to give you wings. But, uh, well, that it definitely, I thought was cool. It
0: definitely provided energies for others. You see how much people were running when that thing was around? Like it, it did its job. It, it pulled a Red Bull, and everybody got energy and kept moving, you know? So yeah. I think that's, I think it's accurate. I, I did like it. I like that they at least tried to give it a little bit more, um, what's the word? Like, it, 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 cause it's, it had fire. So you had more of a range of colors with it. Like I liked that. Um, at least with the unicorn too, uh, with her, like the deep purple eyes, or like, I should say that not, per- not deep, but like, at least you had that as a visual marker. Cause then later when she turns into a human, that's a touch point, you know, like that makes her look different than everybody else. So I, I liked that accent. Um, so yeah, I agree with you that it's like, if you're going to make this thing like stark white, it's hard to provide a little bit, like, to give it any more depth.
3: Yeah, and I, I can't fault the movie for it. It's just one of those things that, uh, you know, you notice while you're watching it, um, particularly since the backgrounds aren't nearly as interesting as other films that we watched.
0: Yeah, and I also think that the, the design of Hagrid, I, do you think um, Do you think Matt Groening was watching that when he was younger and, and when he was coming out with Mr. Burns? Like, that was in the back of his head. And he inadvertently came up, with Mr. Burns, looking at that character design because it feels a lot like that kind of like spindly with the weird triangle kind of head. Like,
3: <laughs> it's it's certainly possible. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't put it past him.
0: So, um, yeah, like I just so it is it is weird because after watching this, not that you need to like rate or put things. We'll get to our final thoughts in a little bit, but. You're right when you said, had I seen this before secret and M, but after watching wizards, my opinion might be different. It does feel like this is, I'm not saying it's squarely in the middle of these two films, but damn if it doesn't feel like it at times where it has some tone deaf comedy. uh, But then it also has some genuine moments of emotion. And it's like, it's like, it's trying to say things sometimes, but then it gets a little weird. Like the Robert Klein butterfly at the beginning. I, I was like, is this done yet? Can this thing just shut up and go away? That, that I feel bad because that set me off on the wrong foot on the movie to begin with where I'm like, okay, I'll give this movie a chance. What is going on with this butterfly? It just <laughs> pissed me off.
3: Yeah, I, I felt the same way about the butterfly and I, I kind
0: of... I know we're both grown men bitching about a butterfly in a unicorn movie, but I'm glad he but was it, gone. He didn't show up again the rest of the movie.
3: It is a weird inclusion where you're watching it and... Again, I'm guessing, you know, they spent a lot of time animating it, so they probably wanted to throw everything that they animated into the movie, but I was like, you could have totally cut that out and had been fine with it. Because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't he's he's literally in the movie at the very beginning and then never reappears. So it's not like that character has an arc or anything that you would need to revisit. You could just cut that whole scene out.
0: But the thing that's weird about it too is that he's like talking in like song lyrics and poems, fine, I get it, it's fancy film, but like some of the song lyrics are like show tunes and like modern standards and things. You're like, Oh, it's like, I feel like, I feel like Robert Klein's like I'm just gonna just I'm just gonna pinball in here and do my thing, and it's like okay, and then like later on when Rob Williams went in to do like the voice of the genie for Aladdin, someone was probably in the background being like, don't let him do the shit from uh, the last unicorn. This is gonna be better than Robert Klein riffing, right? And everyone's like, yeah, it's Rob Williams, we got it covered. Like it just, <laughs> it's like it feels like it feels like it was in that vein, but like none of it landed for me. But I'm glad. And then the freaking unicorn the entire time is I know not to trust butterflies. Tell me more butterfly. I'm like, (laughs) like I, I it's again, I, I, I'm not faulting Mia Farrow. Like I think she did pretty well in this, but in the first, like few minutes of the film, I'm like, is this going to be her having an eternal monologue the entire time about, is she the last unicorn? Should she go find them? What about her responsibility to all the woodland creatures in her area? Because they can't be hunted because they can't be seen while she's there. So she's leaving. Screw all of them. Like, did that, did that occur to you where it's like, she leaves her woodland creatures behind. They're all like, Oh now, now hunters can come. Thanks unicorn. Like, did you, did that occur to you?
3: Honestly, (laughs) it didn't until you just uh, mentioned that. But, uh, my whole problem was just that. And again, I realize it's a classic novel, but the unicorn never really seems to, have an active role in the story. Like everyone <laughs> around her is a, a lot more interesting. Um, well, Shmendrick is a lot int- more interesting. Um, King Herod is much more, or ha- Hagrid is much more interesting. She, she never seems to know what the hell she is or what she's doing. Um, I guess she's kind of like Luke Skywalker, and then you know, yet it says, uh, "Never your mind on where you are, or what you are doing." But
0: and she has a glowy stick just like he did, right? So yeah. that's you know, uh, no, um, no. Well, when she's in the carnival, like the midnight carnival, and she releases all the animals, like you get the sense there that like she knows what she's doing there. And then even with um the harpy, like Shmedrick's like, "Don't do it," and she's like, "No, like it, it deserves to be free because we're both like legends." And then the harpy's like, "Yeah." but now I'm going to dive bomb you. It's like she, she knew the potential cost for setting it free, but she knew the right thing to do was to free it. Like I get, I'm on board with that. And, and like, and her starting the journey out kind of, you know, it does that too. And then later, whenever Schmetrick's trying to impress, like the roving band of merry men with his magic, it's implied that she helps him along. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of like, so she does do a little bit, but you're right. once she becomes a human, the rest of it is just like I have no idea what's going on. Who are you? What is this? Why am I? Why do I? Why am I missing two legs? You know, like there was a whole. It, it, you know, she got really helpless, and that's unfortunate because she should have been the thrust of the whole thing of being the last trying for her to be the one to save the day. Even though she, you know it kind of worked out that way, it was it wasn't her. Her she wasn't the driving force in the second half of the movie, and for a film called The Last Unicorn that feels weird to me.
3: Yeah. And I, I think that's where I was trying to go with that. Cause you, you are absolutely right. Um, she is the one who frees the other animal. She is the one who also makes that choice to free the heartbeat. Um, and I actually, I said this to Kathy cause she watched it with me as well, which was interesting. Cause she's like, she's like, how did this movie exist? And I just never knew about it. She's like, this is a movie that, I probably would have loved it as a kid. She didn't care for it so much as an adult. Wait, wait. But
0: She saw the big bus and knew about it. Before. Yeah.
3: But this. <laughs> like, she's like, I had unicorn toys and, like, stuffed animals, and my, you know, my uh, bed sheets were, like, rainbows. And she's like, this would have been completely up my alley, but somehow this never made it to my. Uh, into my viewing and I'm like, Oh, I, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if it was a distribution issue, if it was, it was something, yeah. you know, that got pushed aside. But, um, with yeah. that in mind, I turned to her at one point and I'm like, Oh, this is the part of the movie where she gives up what's you know special about her so she can be with a man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and- <laughs> thankfully that
3: doesn't happen in the oh. movie, but I, I thought that's where it was going.
0: I was hoping that you'd put your wedding ring when you said that. And then like, you would just push away, like, like, you know, whatever it is that your wife was like really passionate about. Like, well, oh, honey, before we met, I know you wanted to go overseas to save people, but you gave that up for me, didn't you? That <laughs> like, <just>, like... <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's um, but no, you're right. They didn't, it didn't do that. Uh, which was surprising to me. Uh, but there, I was
3: very worried for about a half
0: hour. Yeah, um, but then th- there's also this weird implication of where, like, Jeff Bridges' character is. Like, I don't know her, but I'm drawn to her. And then everybody else is like, you know, she's a horse thing, right? And it's like, ah, you know, we'll let him, we'll let him like fall in love with her. So the entire time it gets weird, where it's like he wants to have sex with this horse. Like, you just, you just know that. <laughs> and then even after he knows what she is, and she turns, and he's like, oh, I still love her. It's like. Yeah, I don't know, because there's a whole bit in the movie when Shemetic changes her back, and you see the transformation, and I'm like, that probably changed a lot of people's like like paths in life. At if they saw that, like a certain part of growing up, they probably got some some different interests and in some some different things. If that just hit them in the right hormonal spot, they're like, you know, that horse is kind of, you know, I don't know, you know.
3: Are you blaming uh, the furries on this movie?
0: Not blame bronies, maybe. I don't know. Um, oh, bronies! You know. There
3: you go. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking fur- furries, but that makes sense.
0: I mean, whatever. I mean, you know. Again, I, uh, people people like what they, they lose like. You? No, you did not lose me. <laughs> and I'd lost Steve for a second because he got really anxious about me talking about uh, uh, anthropomorphic uh, horse sex, and then Steve's like, "I got to go," and he hung up. And now he's back with uh, with us. So.
3: All right. So do you want an inappropriate story?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, from what I just said to that, yes. So
3: I don't know. This is probably not very PC, but like back in college, like our, I don't know, sophomore year in our dorm, we had a thing where like we got together and like somebody would go out and rent an adult film uh, what some people might call a porno. Uh, cause that's what you did back in the day. You couldn't go on the intranets and, uh, everybody would get together and watch it. But there was always one guy who would leave like, I don't know, a half hour into it and be like, I gotta go do something. And then would come back like, 15 minutes later. <laughs> and it was always the thing of like, you're not really like fooling any of us. You're aware of that, right? Like
0: we, we get what oh, you're I'm doing. So I gotta go. I gotta go, uh, read the Bible and, uh, <laughs> yeah, think about my life for a <laughs> second. Oh, man. It would just be but, weird yeah. if it was like you it's like renting an adult film and then you rented like a regular film.
3: So yeah, I mean, we called it cartoon night and it, it wasn't like <laughs> a strictly like guy thing. It was a bunch of us in the dorm. It wasn't like, you know, uh just a bunch of guys hanging out in a room. I mean, it was mainly more guys, but like, you know, um but it was just weird that like he would be like, ah, I got to go call my grandmother." And uh, I got. I'll be back in a little bit, and it's like, all right, well, we'll see you in a little bit. Well, the rest of us will be here watching this and making fun of it. But yeah, I, I don't know. Um, again, this is what you get when you talk about the last unicorn. I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um. No, I'm the one. I'm the one who went down that dark alley, and and so yeah, everybody can blame me. So, what, um, what episode was it where I was talking about being able to? To do it in Ponderosa for some reason? Yeah, it was one of, it was, uh, you (laughs) were... It wasn't Secret of Nim, was it? No, no. You were were in isolation because of snow. It was a couple episodes ago. Uh, (laughs) Let's see here. Uh, Was it, it might have been our uh, talk during uh, My Bloody Valentine. I think that's correct. Oh, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, so, all right. Um, So, in regards to the world that this was setting up, what did you, like this felt a little different than me. I mean, it it, it does feel similar to secret and M in the sense that like there is magic, but it isn't exact. So I, how did you feel about like Schmedrick was like, I'm a magician, but never, but things don't always work right. I know it was played for comedy effect, but I also kind of like that there was no givens in this world.
3: Yeah. I thought they were setting it up to be more of a, like, Oh, you just got to believe in yourself kind of an arc. But they never really bring that full circle. It's more of just like, no, you're really not good at magic, but keep trying. Um, which is, I guess, just as valuable of a lesson in the sense that, uh, you know, whenever somebody asks, and I don't mean this to be like, I'm somebody to come to ask questions about drawing, but um, if you ask anybody who tries to do anything, whether it's draw, paint, whatever, artistically, The first thing they'll tell you is just try to do it. Like just doing it is half the battle. Some I felt like at least with his character, that's where where they were going with it is like, yeah, you're not great at it, but just keep trying.
0: So when you go to work on a panel of science slasher, do you just look at your tablet and say, Drawing. Do as you will. (laughs) Drawing. Do as you will. And you're like whatever happens, happens. Is that what happened like is that what you do?
3: I wish it was that simple. I really Honest to God,
0: which it was. You're like, I keep drawing this booby tree over and over again. I don't know what's going on. It's weird. Um yeah. so so uh would you what'd you think? Like uh of the different vocal performances, I think there was like I think there was um there's great quality and then not so good quality. Um like I really liked Alan Arkin in this. He played it so I don't know, straightforward that it kind mm-hmm. of it was endearing. Uh, Mira Farrow, like I think she was good, but there's times where at the beginning when she was like talking to herself, um, about like, am I the last unicorn? where did the rest of them go? And I looked at my wife and I was like, do you think they all heard her talking to herself and just left? Like, I just feel (laughs) like she just annoyed them to where they all ran the ocean. They're like, I can't deal with this one. Um, I think that she was burned with some clunky dialogue. Uh, Christopher Lee is amazing in this. Jeff Bridges is weirdly flat. Like, just every time I heard him talk, I'm like, it just feels like he's trying, but it doesn't feel right. It doesn't match the rest of this movie. So it's interesting you say
3: that, because I didn't catch that it was Jeff Bridges until, like, because he doesn't pop up until at least the halfway mark. But I didn't catch that it was him until, I, I wouldn't say quite the end, but I realized it clicked. I'm like, oh, that's who Jeff Bridges is voicing. And I feel like he'd been on screen for quite some time at that point. I was like, who is that? Who is that? And I knew that he had done a voice, but it didn't click with me. It doesn't sound like Jeff Bridges in a lot of ways. And, and it's weird to say that because it's not, it's clearly his voice. After you realize it's him, you're like, oh, that is him. But it's a very dry reading in a lot of ways. Is that the best way maybe to put yeah, it? it, it just, or- it's
0: just, it's, a, it's a, not flat. It's not the right word, but it just, I, knowing it was him. And I just I couldn't separate the dude from my head, like listening to that. It was just, and that's on me. But it just feels like it almost feels like his character to being a star man when he's yeah. talking to Karen Allen. It's like he's a person from another world, so he's going to talk very straightforward, and yeah, not a lot of um, you know, not a lot of tone emotion. I don't know. It was just it was weird.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you on the Mia Farrow thing. I I think it's more of having to deal with clunky dialogue as opposed to uh, her performance. Uh, It it reminds me of, and I love the 1978 Superman, but there's a flying scene where there's a musical interlude (laughs) and she talks, she, you know, which I guess originally was intended for her to sing, but they did it as just her talking. And, you know, it's about, I believe that a man can fly and it's just, very like clunky as well. Um, so I kind of associate it in that same way. Um, but yeah, I don't know that I had realized it was, it was Jeff Bridges and you're right about the Starman thing, but for whatever reason now, my go-to with Jeff Bridges isn't the dude it's, you know, Obadiah stain and he yells a lot of his lines. Like,
0: yeah, that's, I that's think fair.
3: of, Of Jeff Bridges and I, I just want to say, like, you know, Tony Stark built this in a cage, you know, like, (laughs) that delivery that yells. Yeah. Uh, So, that may be on me.
0: Yeah, I just, I, and I guess according to the trivia, the moment like, he heard about this, he actually called like the director or the producer and was like, I will be in this and, and I will work for free and I know people that can do music. Like he was excited about the project. So that's good. Good on him. And then I think he's the reason why, um, uh, was it, uh, oh, Jimmy Webb, uh, uh, the, the, was it one of the guys in America. I think that's the reason why they got attached to this is because of Jeff Bridges. So like that kind of makes sense, you know. So, um, so
3: he's who we have to blame.
0: <laughs> so I'm kidding, I I'm think kidding. so I think this film wouldn't have traveled as far as it has in terms of people's minds and their nostalgia for it, which is funny because you had never seen it and your wife had never heard of it. But I know people that do talk about this movie in kind of a campy, like not campy but like a um, culty, like revered tone of like I love the last unicorn. I, I think it would not be the same if it wasn't for the soundtrack. And, um, there's a, like three or four songs brought to the uh, that's performed by America, which if you remember, and I'm I pray to God that I'm not wrong about this. Cause I'm so good about getting simple facts wrong. They're the band that did the song, a horse, no name. So this would be another horse thing that they've done. So I think, I think that's pretty great. Um, but there's this weird, um, like folksiness to this, that or like I just something about it that the smacks of like the late 70s, early 80s. That I feel like, had this movie not had that like contemporary songs, I don't know if it would be as remembered as fondly.
3: Well, it, it's interesting, and I think it just comes down to preference because it's just not my cup of tea musically. Um, I think of there's a movie that we've talked about doing for this uh, series that we haven't gotten to yet, and I'll get to there when we, we get to there. But the soundtrack, I love. And it's three years after this, and if you're somebody who is doing the math, you can probably figure it out pretty easily. <laughs> but the soundtrack includes bands like Lion, Weird Al Yankovic.
0: Yankovic? Um, <laughs> What's that? You said Yankovic. I'm like, who the hell is weird Al Yankovic? I'm sorry.
3: I just, uh, <laughs> Yankovic, sorry. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the, again, it comes down to, like, I love that soundtrack, which is why, one of the reasons I'm actually excited to talk about that film. But with this soundtrack, it's just, it's not my cup of tea. It, it made me think of the songs that Greg Brady was trying to write in the Brady Bunch movie. And I'm not a folk guy. I, I, I fully admit it. And it just landed flat for me. I, I honestly just, I'm not big on mus- musical interludes a lot of times in animated films anyways. With this, I just was like trying to tune it out. So... To you, America fans, I apologize, Um, but it's just not my cup of tea.
0: So, what it feels like to me is that, like this song, like in the soundtrack to this, when it came out, I just imagine there was some dude with like a uh, like a van that had a unicorn airbrush on the side, and (laughs) it's like, and he would just put this in just to try to get the ladies, you know. And I feel like that that is like you know you know this was played at some homecoming dances and proms. Like, you know, this is played and some memories are made under the stars, you know, like,
3: well, a bit a bit of trivia about this. Apparently it was like a huge seller, the soundtrack in Germany. So that tells you pretty much all you need to know about the music. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I, you know, I don't dislike the song, but it's one of those things where it just, and I, and I don't like, I was watching with my wife and she was singing along to it. She loves the song. And like it, I think it's, it, it, it's in that kind of vein of like, um, Oh, um, not, it, it's like, like the Eagles, like there's the, there's that kind of like, you know, folk is not the right, like, like white FM type of vibe to it. I think I'd put that in there. Um, You're
3: listening to the light FM. Yes.
0: <laughs> Coming up <laughs> next is, uh, is the last unicorn by Jimmy Webb in America. And after that, some, <laughs> Some, uh, was it, um, oh shoot. I was trying to think of other stuff too. Other than the Eagles. Um, yeah. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Um, so that's where that feels like that falls into. Uh, now watching this, listening to this music, if this film was like, like a physical object, it would be one of those shirts you'd find at Walmart with like a wolf on it with the moon, or it would be a (laughs) unicorn with the moon. It would have that overdone. You know, it'd be like a tie-dyed shirt. you know that's what this movie is. It's it's that. And and people could argue with me. I don't think I'm wrong. <laughs>
3: I I so desperately want to buy you now like a like tie-dyed wolf shirt from Walmart <laughs> as a gift.
0: Oh man. I just I, I huh? feel like I'd have to like have a mullet like to wear that.
3: <laughs> you would fit in on Tiger King. <laughs> this is probably one of his favorite movies
0: oh my goodness. He'd be like, I like that part where the woman went out, went out and found all the animals and then lied to people about what they were, you know? <laughs> like, like, after watching the Tarot King documentary and watching Last Unicorn, I'm like, oh, Mama Fortuna would have a lot to, to say with these people. And, by the way, credit to Angela Lansbury; She's playing just an evil son of a gun. And I liked her performance in this, too. We didn't get a lot of her. And you 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 would think that that would be a character that they would come back. And it didn't. It's-
3: it's interesting you say that because uh, it's because of who Angela Lansbury is. I was expecting it to be a bigger performance, and I was kind of surprised at how small it was. I mean, it's a very pivotal role within the context of the story, but maybe it's just because of the fact that you know we had her. Um, is it? It's Beauty and the Beast, correct? Where she's the Mrs. Potts, I yeah. believe. I think that you know having that ingrained in us and growing up with like Murder She Wrote, um, I was expecting it to be a bigger role, and I was kind of surprised that that she's maybe five to ten minutes of the story. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. She gives a great performance. Yeah, and, it, um, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, even with the criticism leveled at Jeff bridges and I don't even know if it's criticism I, I think it may just be that like the way he saw that character um the vocal performances are all really good
0: yeah I just I just feel like he's in a different film than the rest of them I'm not saying that how he does it's bad it just feels different and then there's a song he has later uh, that I don't know if he's singing. If he is, because he's he's done his own music before. Because I think he, uh, I think he got an Oscar for Crazy Heart, where he played a, an older country western singer. So I, I know he's capable of singing. It just felt weird. Like I don't know. It just, uh, it totally felt different from everything else. Uh, mm-hmm. But the one thing, the two things that just felt like they were so spot on is Christopher Lee, which we've talked about him already. But Christopher Lee's the man, and evidently when he showed up to record his lines, he came in with like a copy of the book and he had places marked to indicate like things that must not be omitted. And if Christopher Lee says, don't do it, then don't do it. Like this guy, this guy knows firsthand, like what, what it feels like to kill a person. Just it's, it's fine. Let, let him make decisions because he's probably right. You know, I, I just, I love his commitment to this. I love that the author was in studio, while Lee was recording and Lee actually asked the authors, like, was that good enough? If not, I can do it again. That stuff's amazing to me.
3: Yeah, I I totally agree. I, when I read, because I did see that, I think it's either on the IMDB or the Wikipedia that, you know, Lee took it very seriously. He was clearly a fan of the book. Um, and that he came in with notes saying like, you know, these are the things that I think that are important. I was just, I was kind of blown away by that. And, I don't know. It's interesting to me. Christopher Lee is one of those actors. I don't know that I've seen anything that he's bad in. Like, he gives... Like, he's in one of the... I I think it's the second Captain America TV movie from the 70s. Because he had a whole period where he was just uh, not in demand. And I believe... And again, I, I'm going off topic here. I believe he turned down the role of Loomis in Halloween and regretted doing it. But he had a period where he didn't have quite the esteem that he did in the beginning or, or, or yeah, I, should, I should probably even say middle of his career to like the end of his career where he had like a period, I feel like in the late 70s, early 80s, where he wasn't as revered as he was or at yeah. least wasn't used in the way that he could be. And um I had a point that I was going with it with this, but he still uh, brought
0: the same, like, like, um, weight and like professionalism to the, yeah, this could have been a paycheck for him, but it's something he's passionate about and it, it shows through his performance. The guy knew how to project, you know, whether it's like, like animated or like on screen, like, like for goodness sakes, he is terribly wasted in star Wars two and three. I did that to piss you off. Uh, but like, but you still love it's Christopher Lee there for like a second, you know? And, um, yeah, I just, he was good in this. And also his character had a little bit more going on for him than just being a bad guy. You know, I like that. They gave him a couple of different shades to work with.
3: Yeah. It's, it's really unfortunate that, uh, he didn't get more to do in the second and it's almost a story necessity that he'd be taken out so early in the third star Wars there you go, um, movie. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in the second one, he builds such an interesting character. And it's Christopher Lee, so you want more of him. And I don't know, it, it's it's unfortunate. At least he got to be a part of it, and, you know. And at least, I, I'm not even a Lord of the Rings fan, you know. But at least he got to be uh, a big part of, you know, playing Sauron in those films. Well, he
0: even came to them and said, "This is what Tolkien wanted because he knew Tolkien. Like, how do you yeah. like, like you like? We see the Dosseki's guy being the most inter- interesting man in the world. That's not true. We know it was Christopher Lee, and there'll never be someone <laughs> like him again. Inside um, of people, if you if you're not aware, the original Wicker Man's currently on Netflix, so watch it." If you've not seen it, I know we I covered it here on the show. Steve was away. Uh, I'd never seen it before. That movie's awesome and he's great at it. So, but yeah, it was good. There's a good voice cast here. And I, I guess I'm just picking on Jeff Bridges and I shouldn't because I love him. But like, that was the only thing that felt a little weird to me, but also his character. I get why he's there, but his, it just, he also felt a little weird to me. Like to find out later that, um, the Hagrid's like, oh, he's not really my son. I want to know what it's like to be a father. And that soured fast. I'm like, whoa, yeah, that's messed up. Like, <laughs> just, you know, uh, it just, there's, there is a, some interesting bones in this movie that I think just because you take an entire book and flat and, and squeeze it down to 90 minutes, which again, this was the author presenting a screenplay of his own vision. So he made these choices. There's a little bit that gets lost in the wash.
3: Yeah. And again, it's, it's really hard to, since I haven't read the book to know, like, Everything I've read seems to have indicated that it's fairly faithful, um, you know, even though I hadn't read The Secret of Nim*, and I had, you know, before having seen it, you know, I hadn't had any experience with it. You know, there there are things that people point out as like, oh, this is a change. This is something that they did for, you know, strictly dramatic reasons. I didn't find that, at least not in my research with this, with this story. It seems like a fairly faithful adaptation. And, you know, I don't know if perhaps Jeff Bridges' character was... I think that's also part of the problem is, is that he's just sort of there. He's, yeah. he's he's not really important to the story the way that Schmedrick is. Um And you might even say the same thing of Molly, except Molly's the one who's there saying, you know, hey, Schmedrick, you know, keep trying. You know, you're a wizard, whether you want to be, or not a wizard, a magician, whether you want to be or not. And
0: her motivation flips too, because at first she gets just outraged that he switched, he took the unicorn and turned her into a lady. And then later, when he's going to change her back, she's like, you can't do it. It's true love. She's supposed to be with this guy. It's like, that felt weird to me too. Like she yeah. was fighting against it both ways, but at least, you know, at least she was there kind of nudging him. And so mm-hmm. that was nice. You're right. Um, so I know uh, uh, Peter Beagle, the guy who wrote the book in the screenplay, was very happy with this because he felt like you could never make this into a live action film. Probably now. It, but I know there's some rights issues and things, and we don't need, we don't need like the live action update. I just I don't feel like this is a movie that like I think it's perfectly fine where it is. I don't need the Disneyfication of being like you've seen it animated. Now you're gonna see it weird CG. Like I don't know if I need that. Um, the bull played by Josh Gad. I don't need. I don't know. I don't need that kind of stuff going on. Um, but.
3: Or they can do it live action, like the Lion King.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like where it's live action, but it's just all CG mapped, right? Like, I don't need yeah. that unless you get Alan Arkin back, Schmedrick. That's fine. I would be all about that. Uh, but you know, this this is an interesting beast of a film because there's good ideas in it, some interesting imagery, some very cheap imagery, and I know that's not a word you want to use, but I'll use it. And just a weird amalgamation of the time in which it existed with just because of the scoring of it. Like, it just feels like they're taking some chances and um, they swung on a lot. It hit sometimes, but it missed on others. And maybe that's why, you know, you'd never saw it. And that's why maybe your wife had never heard of it because it didn't didn't land strong enough to be remembered, but it just kind of drifted out there and people would see it along the way.
3: Yeah, and it, it's always, you know, an odd choice or an odd challenge to come into this. Um, and and you hope that, you know, it's something that you're going to love. And it, it's interesting because earlier you said that, like, you felt that it became it came in the middle between Wizards and um, The Secret of Nim, And I, I completely agree with that because I... I I admired Wizards for what it tried to do, but it just it fell flat in a lot of ways. <laughs> Secret of Nim, even though I wasn't able to embrace the, the magical aspect of it, I thought the science end of it was far more interesting. It's still gorgeous, and it's really one of those films where I'm like, this should be held up as a classic. It's so beautifully done. This is sort of in between where, like, I don't know that I ever 100% got involved within the story but I also know that there's you know like you said whether it be a cult status or a cult following or not it's still a beloved film and I never got to where I was with Secret of Dim with it but I also didn't have the points of contention that I did specifically with Wizards um, and I, I think my frustration with Wizards came from wanting it to be a movie that it wasn't. <laughs> so that may be me.
0: Well, I also feel like in a lot of ways, and, and again, people could challenge me and they you know, they could probably bring facts and logic and reason and beat me into a pulp. I feel like this is the film that when people set out to make Wizards, that then their mind, they're like, we're going to push people. We're going to challenge things, but we're going to make it like a coherent like, through line. I feel like there's a lot here that they are probably trying to bring to something like wizards. It just didn't quite get there while this one, you know, I feel like because it was already farmed out to an established production house that, you know, it did collapse shortly thereafter, but it had made other things for Rankin bass that there was already kind of a competent foundation work in there that this was going to get made and it wasn't going to get too weird. However, you could see the Eastern like influences in it, you know, and that like it, it makes me think of, and I know you don't play as many video games as I have, but it makes me think of whenever they were first importing uh Japanese RPG games over to the Western markets, like the Final Fantasy series, and they're trying to update the art and the storylines, quote unquote, to kind of make it like accessible for American audiences. This feels like where this kind of falls in that, where it's like there's a lot there. You're like, I've never seen this before, but they're trying to tell you like a um medieval fantasy tale. And this falls in that weird spot of like, like it. it I guess my point is, is that, like, I think Wizards was trying to like blow your mind with like, man, evil's evil and propaganda is going to mess you up, like, no matter what, you know? And we're going to have mm-hmm. this, like, it just feels, and when you say, when you refer to the Wizards, keep on trucking, that's perfect for him. Uh, and with this, it's more like, we have the story to tell. We have seven dollars. We're going to give it to these guys that know what they're doing. It's not going to be the prettiest, but we're like the, you. It does not matter how much it costs to animate. It you can still take time to create characters that look dynamic on the screen, which they did. And it's like also Jeff Bridges is bringing America with us. Hell yeah, we're going to use that music. Like in a weird way, it's not it's not the sum of its parts, but the parts are interesting on their own. It just it makes for um this mélange that doesn't quite gel for me. That's a really bold yeah, statement. So f- figure that one out everybody. Untie that knot.
3: No, I I think that you're right. I I actually kind of I think that's exactly where I fall as well. Um uh, <laughs> it's also, you know, one of those things that I realize that there are probably a lot of fans of either the book the film or both who could easily debate us on this. And that's, that's great. Like, I I don't want to, you know, take away from people who enjoy this film. I just, I wish it had worked better for me. And like I said, it just, I think I've said it a couple times now, actually, it just had the unfortunate uh, case of falling after, Secret of them. Yeah, I mean, and,
0: and I think there's worth in this film, and we talked about briefly. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. Uh, Renee Aberginaz as the skull. You know, um, yes. And he was like just the skull that was like taunting uh, Schmedrick, and like that whole sequence was amazing and great. And just how the whole thing was like, Oh, you think you figured out the answer? I'm not going to tell you come back tomorrow. And then how he got fooled. Cause metric was supposed to turn water into wine. And for a magician, that's not good at magic. The, the best trick he pulled was this convincing this pile of bones that he had drank wine that wasn't there. Like that was awesome. I, I really dug that whole bit. And so there's, 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 there's fun to be had here.
3: Uh, I, that's actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And, did you think that they were going for a Christ comparison there? I was like, is this where we're going suddenly? Did we suddenly get into like weird theological territory? But, for a second. Cause he's supposed uh, to turn water away, into wine. But, yeah. What's that?
0: Yeah. I mean, he was supposed to turn water into wine, but then he just turned around and was like, Oh, it's not very good wine, but you can still smell it. And the skeleton's like, I want it. Like,
3: <laughs> Yeah. I, I quite enjoyed that scene. I thought that was really funny. And it's interesting because that, actor has just recently passed away this is a role of his that i had not i was not aware of that he had done and again apparently now everything just comes back to the big big bus he's in the big bus (laughs) as a character in that so
0: oh there we go uh, wow
3: renee albergine popped up in like two movies that i watched this weekend
0: well, there you go. I do. <laughs> uh, the, I'll
3: always think of him from Benson and then as Odo from Star Trek. But yeah. for whatever reason, he then popped up in two other movies I watched this
0: weekend. Well, I mean, and he was a delight. So, yeah, Um, I... I don't know where else to go with this other than like there was times watching the animation where I looked at my wife and I was like, I don't think things work like that. Like the bit when the, the unicorns were all coming out of the water and they were rushing up the side of like the craggy mountain side with like the like the old man castle or whatever, like the the atypical castle on the edge of the cliff. Right. The way those unicorns are running vertically up and around, they look like like ants. They look like uh, cockroaches, like fleeing. I'm like, I don't think horses run like that. And then my wife's like, but they're unicorns. They're magical. I'm like, yeah, but that still isn't, that defies physics. Like, it just felt weird seeing all of them, like running, like straight up and over. Um, I don't know how you felt about that bit when you got to like the unicorn, like swarm that ran out of the water. Um, Also the fact that like one stood up to the bull and was no longer afraid that meant the rest of them come out of the water. Um, Unicorns are kind of, they're kind of. They're kind of wishy-washy. I think that's what I learned.
3: I never quite understood if they were supposed to be the actual unicorns or, like, the spirits of the unicorns. Like, I I guess I thought, like, oh, the the Red Bull—I took it literally that the Red Bull drowned the unicorns, and their spirits lived in the water. And then, like, when they came back, I was like, oh, wait, are they actually just— they've lived in the water ever since. And so, and that may just me be, be being too literal at this point, but I, I had initially thought that, that it was supposed to be the, the, like I said, the, the ghosts of, of the unicorns. So I hadn't gotten to any sort of like questioning of the animation. I was more questioning whether they were actually coming out of the water or if it was, you know,
0: Well, she is a metaphysical issue. Our main unicorn. She is up saying, well, now the unicorns are back. I'm like, oh, well, I thought that means they're all in the water. I don't know. But then earlier we see Jeff Bridges character. It's actually a nice shot of him running along with his horse. And he has like a lance with him. So you see a shadow. It looks like a unicorn, but it's actually him holding a lance. And just, it's, you know, a nicely placed, like, you know, animation, but you see narwhals beside him. I'm like, are those the unicorns? Did they just become narwhals. Like I was confused. I'm like, do these become, these become sea unicorns? Like, I didn't know. I was hoping, I was hoping it'd just be a shitload of narwhals at the end. Um, that'd be coming up on shore fighting the, the red bull, but that's my mind. You know, it's, it's a terrible place to be, but that's what I was hoping for.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Cause, uh, um, you brought up narwhals and my mind immediately went to the episode of Futurama where they're, uh, Oh, oh is it the Ambergris episode with the whales? I, I don't know. Uh, long story short. I don't know that I realized that narwhals were like an actual animal until that episode. Really? Of Futurama, like 10, 15 <laughs> years ago, I was unaware of them oh. and then I was like, Oh, it's a real thing.
0: So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so <laughs> well, the more, you know, All right. So, all right. Any other, any other thoughts, feelings, opinions about the last unicorn?
3: Um, I would say that uh, you know it's a. It sounds so shitty, like it's not the worst thing I've watched. <laughs> I, I, I just I feel like if you're gonna go to animated films from the 1982 and you've got Secret of Nim on one end and this on the other, watch Secret of Nim. But. Um. You know, I I wanted to love it, and I just sort of thought it was okay. And I I hate that I came
0: out there. Well, once we got past the butterfly sequence, uh, which thankfully that did not last forever, uh, it got better, but there's times where I was just like, huh, (laughs) while watching it. So I did enjoy this. Uh, Sounds like a little bit more than you. Um, I think it's worth a watch. Um, If the choices are Last Unicorn or Secret M, Secret M Full Up, you know, it's going to be it's gonna win hands down, but I think there's some worth here, especially for being a film that was trying. It's an animated film. Like it's it's dark, and there's some dark ideas in it. And I think it's I think it's also a good one You know, we talk about like what's an appropriate age to show kids like certain movies, and I feel like this is not necessarily a scary movie, but it deals with scary things. Like this would be a good one too. It's not horror, but it has like, you know some frightening imagery in it that you could like, you know, that is very much approachable. Like the red bull is a very intimidating thing. Um, so I think that's something that this is definitely worth showing, like, you know, as a family. Um, and it, it does, you know, it deals with some more grown up things than some of the other animated films that are out there. So I do, I would recommend it. It's just, you know, it's not perfect.
3: You know, you brought me, bring that up. It, it made me think of a point that I was going to make earlier and just kind of lost. Um, and I don't know specifically if you feel the same way, but I feel like I, the film Shrek, which I think is like 2000, maybe 2002 was one of the first movies that I remember, at least of recent animation where people were suddenly like, Oh, they made this for kids and they made it for adults. And, Well, a lot of that, I think, was geared towards the comedy of it. I feel like we moved away in the 80s. There was a a point where they were trying to make, especially after watching this Wizards and Secret of Nym, where they were trying to do something different with animation and give a more adult-oriented story, but for kids. And I feel like maybe we've returned to that a little bit these days, but at the same time our perception of it is more of like, well, we've we've hidden jokes in this that adults will get that kids won't get, but it's still enjoyable for them. I feel like we've moved away from having these types of themes, um, or at least adult themes, I guess, within the like underlying depths of the... Underlying depth of the meat of what goes into these um, animated films. Um, it's just an... An odd juxtaposition, and I guess Pixar probably does it quite well in the sense that they bury adult themes within a lot of their films Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, is probably what makes them so successful. But I think it's an interesting, you know, precursor to that, considering that we're probably, well, we are at least 20 years away from what's going to come with the next wave of animation, which is the CGI realm, yeah, which is where I think adults started to get back into it more.
0: Yeah, and and I like you mentioned Trick. I'd also say like Monster House is like one of those ones that like I know I don't I don't I know you haven't seen that, but it's like it's like it's bordering on like a full on scary movie, but it's like it's you know for kids and it does deal with more some grown up ideas and there's some dark imagery in there. So you're right. There was a while just to play it safe and com- completely cater towards kids. Like we, uh, you, you mentioned My Little Pony earlier. There was the My Little Pony film. There was like the the Care Bears movie. Like that's pablum for that audience, right? There was no yeah. bigger things going on. This was trying to do something. So I, I will always appreciate the effort. So that's, that's what I'll say about that. So I'm I'm glad I revisited it. I just, I had not seen this as a kid. Clearly, I only remember three things from it. So not the movie I, th- I remembered it being.
3: Yeah, it wasn't quite the Heathcliff movie that I saw at theaters in uh, 1985.
0: Fair, fair enough. All right, so I think that's going to do it for our discussion about The Last Unicorn. Like, again, you guys can see this on HBO right now um, when you're not watching Westworld or whatever, or McMillions. Uh, it is available there in the full, like the full glory of half a lady butt cheek and two dams right there. Uh, and if, or if you want to see a tree almost sexually a guy, this is also your movie, right? So, I will also
3: say real quick on that, like, yeah. I I don't know, I feel like it's such a backward-ass thing to be, you know, oh, we've released a different version of it that doesn't, in, you know, include these two minor, minorly yeah. offensive things, like, ugh.
0: I know. I I agree. I, I feel like,
3: so yeah, I'm glad that at least the HBO version is the, the correct version. Yeah.
0: So, um, so yeah, you guys can watch it there. Um, I'm sure it's available elsewhere, but that's where I saw it because I was already subbed into HBO. So that's where I watched that. So, uh, you guys can, uh, find us on Facebook. Uh, it's invasion of the podcast. Let us know your thoughts about the last unicorn, uh, fight us on our various opinions. If you disagree, uh, if you own a van with a unicorn on the side and this was your movie and soundtrack that, you know, Got, got you many nights under the stars, you know, good on you, but you can fight me about the film. It's fine. Uh, you guys can find us. Um, we have an email address. It's evading podcast Gmail. Uh, you can locate us on like iTunes, sorry, Apple podcasts. I will never not get that right. Google music, Stitcher, Podbean, wherever you locate your podcasts, rate and review us. we greatly appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, recommend it to a friend a lot of us have a lot of free time right now. So maybe they want a podcast listen to, uh, while they're walking five miles in their house back and forth, that might be a thing to do. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. And Steve, how can people find you?
3: You can find me lying around my house in my underwear, drinking beer. You can find me. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) America. (laughs) You can find me on the Saturday at slasher.com. You can find us on, Instagram and Facebook under this internet slasher. And you can find us at Etsy on, uh, uh, or you can find us on Etsy under, art of the slash, which I did find is interesting. Somebody bought a, a, a pin from me, uh, and I hadn't had a sale in like, I don't know, a month or two, <laughs> but it was like right as this was starting. I'm like, maybe they're supporting like indie artists, but I'm like, also this is the worst time for me to try and mail something out.
0: That's true. but yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So just make sure that like you put a big thumbprint on it or something like just be like, here, I mailed this uh, out to you. Like,
3: yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it was just odd that I was like, I haven't gotten an Etsy order in months. There's quarantine.
0: Here's your (laughs) first Etsy order. (laughs) What? Well, people have time now, you know, they're going to, they're going to support things. So that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. So next week, uh, so good news, everybody as I'm, as I'm belching here I apologize for that. Um, CBS all access is offering up a free month of their service. So that means that, uh, if you go on and like, I'm sure you can find it. Like I know Patrick Stewart, like tweeted about it or something or faced faced grammed it, or whatever. I don't know. Uh, you, it's, it's, it's free for a month. Like Steve was talking about earlier. There's other services that are going free for a month. Uh, you can go and see the new series star Trek Picard, which the last episodes coming this Thursday for the season. So episode 10, uh since uh, as fate would have it, I'm paying for the service I and and I was like, hey Steve you should check this out. Steve, who could have seen this for free has been you know piggybacking off of my subscription uh which I'm fine with I just it's just it's just like here watch this now it's free, I guess you know um we're gonna watch Picard and we're gonna talk about Picard because I am excited to talk about a Star Trek series that takes place past Voyager finally. so yeah
3: yeah and and we'll actually get into this when we talk about the series. I thought it was interesting that the catalyst for the series a lot of it is based on what happens in that first Star Trek movie the the Abrams movie. There's a big plot point and that's where the series starts from
0: yeah but so, it, it somehow weaves that and Nemesis together, which is kind of kind of cool yeah you know like that's true yeah. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to talk about that. There's going to be spoilers and we're not going to go episode. I mean, it's 10 episodes, a uh, tuck in, but it's free right now. Go to CBS all access. Watch that. Uh, the first two seasons of Star Trek discovery on there. If you want to check that out, uh, the full Jordan Peele twilight zone series is up there right now. Uh, price is right. If you want to watch like CBS all access doesn't have a lot, but what they do have is of interest, uh, except for the big bang theory that can go down a fire, but there's some, there's some good stuff on there. Uh, to check out. So if you guys are hesitant, go get your free month, go watch some Picard, make it so, and we'll talk about it next week for sure.
3: Yep. I will just say that uh, if you're looking for a time suck, price is white. Price is white. Price is right is not a (laughs) bad way to go.
0: Price is is white. What? What did you just Uh, say? I've
3: I've had way too much to drink this evening. (laughs) Price is right. Yeah. It's not a bad way to go.
0: Oh, it's very addictive. So, all right, yeah. That's going to do it for us this week. Next week, Picard. And we're going to end the show on Steve's new favorite song. So we'll talk to you guys next week.
1: The shadow of the forest, though she may be. Whole,